Welcome everybody to So Many Wrong Notes. I'm Francis. And I'm Jeanette. And today we've got something very kind of close to my heart to talk about. Close to my heart only because I just got through it. Close to your heart like a stab wound. Like a stab wound. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. And that subject is Juilliard. 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 If you don't know... I just graduated from Juilliard, and Jeanette is also an alumna of Juilliard. But so long ago. But so long ago. Like more than a decade ago. Yeah, but still, we both went through Juilliard, and we thought it would be good to kind of discuss what Juilliard was like for the both of us. And I should also say as a caveat, just the lawyer in me wants to say it, Our opinions about Juilliard are our own. Yes. And so it's not affiliated with Juilliard in any way. Oh, gosh. We are not affiliated with Juilliard in any way. (laughs) Other than that, we are alums. But I thought it would be interesting because I don't quite know. I want to know your Juilliard journey, Jeanette. Juilliard journey, Jeanette. That sounds like a (laughs) poem or a song. You know what I thought of right away when you said that was Juilliard Journal, which I did some writing for. <laughs> <laughs> the Juilliard Journal is like the uh, student newspaper at Juilliard. That, but... I, I actually enjoyed writing for that, though. I bet. It was kind of fun. Um, my journey into Juilliard. So I should say I was there from 2003 to 2007. And uh, so that's, that's a fair amount ago. So I apologize in advance that my memories are a little foggy. But... <laughs> I I went there basically because, um, oh wait, how far back should I go? <laughs> this go is back. always a problem. Um, I mean, tell us how you got there. I mean, how did you even consider going to Juilliard? Okay, so I went to Juilliard pre-college for three years because the teacher I had, which was Robert McDonald, he and my parents thought it would be a good idea for me to go to a studio setting. So I went to Juilliard pre-college and studied with Veda Kapunski. Um, and because of pre-college, Juilliard was kind of the next step. Like you go mm. to pre-college and then you just audition into the college. And uh, I did audition for other schools. Um, my brother was a very big factor in making me consider all different options. So I, mm-hmm. I probably auditioned and applied for like 11 schools because wow he he wanted me to actually consider double majors so i did the whole like oh i'll apply for northwestern apply for harvard that kind of thing um but i knew i was going into music uh and then in a way of the schools i got into my dad was like you have to go to juilliard and he was just it's like this certain kind of pride that an asian family i guess um prizes Mm -hmm. uh he wanted me to go to juilliard for the name um and he's like i mean if you talk to someone who knows nothing about music everybody knows juilliard unfortunately it's like the thing in in movies and i don't know it's the cliche isn't it and in a way i mean he's right the name of juilliard does get you a lot of cachet whether or not it means anything is a totally different thing, but it, yeah. does, it does open up doors. It does is... open up doors, which I want to touch on a little bit later, but That's right. I'm kind of curious about your audition experience. How, okay. What was your audition? Did, 
to Juilliard like? Wow, I don't know if I remember it. Um, I have a feeling this is going to be heavily edited because I feel like I'm going to sound like a dick just talking about Juilliard. I don't know why. That's just, the point of the episode. I know, I know, but like talking about like all the teachers I had, I was like, ooh, that's probably not a good idea. I feel like an asshole. Uh, my audition at Juilliard. You know what I remember? I remember at pre-college, it was around the same time there was a competition, the mm-hmm. pre-college concerto competition. And I remember auditioning for Northwestern two days before the competition at Juilliard. Wow. And then very soon after that was the audition for Juilliard College. Mm-hmm. And I remember slamming my finger into a bathroom hinge. Like it was like, oh. it was like my hand had wrapped around it to balance myself for some reason right before I went on to the Northwestern audition. Mm-hmm. And the door hinge had bent into my hand because it opened. So it was like a, it was a really nasty, (laughs) nasty. (laughs) My finger is still flat from it, actually. Really? Um, My right forefinger is like one and a half times bigger than my left one and flatter because of that injury. But I remember playing my audition and then two days later doing the competition and my teacher saying to me, Oh, you should slam your finger more often. That's a good luck charm. <laughs> That's so funny that you should say that because when I was an undergrad, like right before any any like important performance or jury or something, I would somehow accidentally injure my hand. Yeah. It is funny, right? It's definitely yeah. a subconscious thing, I think. It's a subconscious thing, but I think it also kind of well, I don't know. I'm I might be projecting, but it's like Oh, well. Yeah, yeah. My finger's already fucked up, so what? what's the worst that can happen, you know? And so you just kind of go and do it. Right. It, it kind of gets you out of your head because you're, like, focused on just surviving, I guess. Yeah. Maybe. And I remember, like, it being a big deal, but never once was I actually thinking I would not do any of these auditions. <laughs> Did the Juilliard and- audition in particular feel different to you? Or was it just another audition? I honestly don't remember, Francis. Okay. I'm That's so fine. sorry. Like, I'm trying to remember, and it's it's kind of sad, but the thing I remember most was slamming my finger in a door. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it, it must have gone okay, because I don't remember, like, deep embarrassment. So uh-huh. it must have been okay. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think the one feature of a Juilliard audition that is not normal for most other music schools is the whole callback system. Is that not normal for other schools? I don't think so. Every other school that I've applied to has not had a callback system. Do you remember waiting to find out if you made that callback or what you were feeling? I do remember. It's a very familiar feeling because I, I also auditioned for Masters at Juilliard. There's always like this anxiety and, and, it's, and it's anxiety not of, oh, I, I, I'm really hoping I make it in and I really hope I make it to the next round. It's more the anxiety of if I don't make it to the next round, everyone's going to be so ashamed of me. That's oh. the feeling I felt because I, you know, it's like there's such a heavy parental influence mm-hmm. of, of the pre-college kids auditioning for college. Like yeah. there's my mom, bless her heart, is a piano teacher. 
but she also was a very invested mother in me Mm -hmm. (laughs) and she she meant the best but she definitely um wanted me to succeed because she knew the business so well Mm -hmm. it was definitely the feeling that I let her down and let my teacher down and let everyone who expected me to no question go on to the callback that that kind of pressure yeah yeah I get it which is kind of funny though right it is kind of funny I mean it is kind of like torturous that time yeah like trying to trying to I don't know be ready to play but then also be ready to know that you didn't make it you know right what are your strategies for that? Do you fantasize the different outcomes and how you would react? Or No. And my Julia journey is distinctly different in that I had to try twice to get in. Mm. So, right. The first time I auditioned, I made the call back and I got waitlisted and I ultimately, they ultimately didn't have a spot. And so... Actually, you essentially got in. <laughs> but I still didn't in my mind, right? But can I just ask yeah. you to explain to the audience how little spots you had in your program? Well, there are two spots open for harpsichordists every year. And uh, I don't remember how many people auditioned the first time I tried. But, but that's significantly worse odds than... A pianist undergrad auditioning for a I mean, program. Like. Sure. But I, I was really disappointed in myself, actually, more mm-hmm. than anything else, because that first time I auditioned, I had a really great first round. Mm-hmm. I thought I played really well. And then, because I wasn't used to the callback system, I didn't quite know what to expect. Oh, okay. And I was I went into the callback actually more nervous than my first round. Yeah. And I just, I think the reason I got waitlisted was because I just didn't play as well. I didn't, it's not even like note accuracy, it's just a matter of personality. I felt like my first round audition had personality. And then my second round audition just fell flat because I was just thinking about stupid shit. <laughs> like, oh, I'm I'm playing this callback. Oh, what do I, you know. Oh. You were trying to predict what to do or... yeah like i'm predicting what they're going to ask me to do right i i felt tired I, yeah. I probably warmed up too much that's a thing that's definitely a thing and then i feel like i didn't focus myself before i went in for the second round i think that's a very common experience for yeah. second round stuff exactly yeah and so i got waitlisted and yeah that's basically like getting in, but they don't have a spot for you. So that's not getting in. You're so Asian. Don't I know. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of got pissed and I just made the decision. I'm going to do this again. Yeah. Fuck it. I'm going to fucking do this again. And, and that's the best motivator. That anger really. Yeah. And then in a way, I feel like I got in because I knew what to expect. Yeah. That is a good point is yeah. that I had the benefit of knowing what was going to happen i knew exactly. there was a callback because i was in pre-college and my teacher i was auditioning to be in the same studio basically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so she did prepare me and that's i think that's that's a huge leg up i think yeah that is a huge leg up because you know what's coming i also recognize the mistakes i made the first time around 
So I didn't warm up as much. And I really just focused. I feel like my first year before my second round, I ended up just like shooting the shit with people because you end up knowing a lot of people auditioning, right? Yeah, and you're like part of this is networking, isn't it? Exactly. And I think I just expended too much energy talking to people. Yeah. And so I remember like distinctly saying to myself, you're going to sequester yourself, Francis. <laughs> you're not going to talk to anyone. Yeah. Right? And that's what I did. You probably were elated with how good you had a first round. And so you were just uh, taking... It felt really good. I mean, especially at that time in my life, you remember, Jeanette, yeah. how... I was there, yeah. Yeah, I would beat myself up on my playing all the time. I thought I would get in my own way. I was. I felt like I was hindering myself. Yeah. And for that one moment in that first round audition, my first try, I didn't. And then the whole damn thing happened again where I hindered myself in the second round. Wait, so did you not... No, there was going to be a callback at all. No, 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 no. Of course I knew, but it doesn't matter that you know because you've right. never gone through it. Right. Well, right? I will tell you that surprises in the audition process, it didn't happen at Juilliard, but it did happen at Yale. And that completely threw me, the surprises that I encountered. Yeah. Um, tell so, me about that. Well, I mean, it was uh, it was deeply embarrassing because um, <laughs> my dad had actually driven me there because he was... Uh, kind of going on the way so he was like my dad is somebody who prizes ivy league so he really wanted me to go to yale mm-hmm. i'm making my dad sound like a terrible person he's not but he is asian so um it was just him there and when i went in there after i played which wasn't that good i didn't play that well so after i played then they asked me to sight read which i was like oh yeah that's that's i guess standard yeah uh which i'm fine with but then um after that they didn't say, okay, well, t- you know, have a nice day. They said, oh, can you play any Beethoven symphony? Uh, like, off the top of your head. And I'm like, of course I could, but I couldn't <laughs> in that moment. Do you know uh-huh. what I mean? Like, I yeah. blanked. I was like, you know, I've actually never tried this. Uh-huh. Like, tried playing a Beethoven symphony on the piano because I listened to them. Yeah. And then um, when I kind of froze... um. They were like, okay, why don't you just play any Schubert song? And I mean, I was still frozen. I was not oh like, think, because I was not thinking I would do any of this stuff. Of course. Because never in an audition had I been asked to do any of this. Yeah. And at the same time I'm frozen, I'm thinking to myself, why are you not thinking of something right now? Like, this is not hard. Like, mm-hmm. why can't you You've played Schubert songs? So I, I just started playing. I was like, any action is better than inaction in this moment. So I started just making up an Alberti bass and like, <laughs> trying to play something. And Peter, Peter Frankel, he was such a kind-hearted man. And he mm-hmm. kept on looking at me like, like with this hope in his eyes. <laughs> like he was like, oh yes, you're getting somewhere. He was like, oh yeah, that's almost a melody that I recognize. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I, I mean like, oh, I wanted to just die and be like swallowed up. But I walk out of there and my dad's like, you know, so expectant. And I'm just like, I, I, I gave him like literal, don't talk to me. Do not, <laughs> do not talk to me about Yale. I, I did not get in. I don't want to hear anything. And, and, and we drove back in silence. And oh, I was no. just like, I, I did not want to say anything. And 
thank God my dad actually respected it because he was like, you know, he could say anything he wanted to in that moment. Be like, yeah. what happened? Tell me what happened. Um, uh, that's but that, awful. The good thing about that story, though, is that uh, <laughs> that evening I did get the email saying I was accepted. That's so great. So I was like, oh did you my ever, God. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever ask anyone on the panel, like, about that situation? Did you ever talk to them? No, I was so embarrassed about how idiotic uh, I was. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's just like, of course you can play this on the piano. Why don't you just play it? Like, people underestimate, or I underestimated um, the power of nerves. Yeah. In, in, in moments of, of surprise. Mm. So. Well, it's, and you got in though. So that's strange, what matters. Strange, strange. Strangely enough. <laughs> but which leads actually into my 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 second callback story because something went wrong in my second callback that's too. right that's right oh yes right which is that in in the callback for the program i auditioned to um you have to do a sight reading um so you're playing chamber music with the faculty and that you're just sight reading yeah right which I guess it could be nerve-wracking, but I didn't find that nerve-wracking. In fact, the first time it wasn't that nerve-wracking, right. I thought, I can do this, right? Right. Right before Uh-oh. that sight reading was going to happen, they asked me to play a Scarlatti Sonata. And you, they have several harpsichords there, and I went to the Italian harpsichord, which is better suited for Scarlatti. And it was the cat fugue, which is hugely chromatic. Uh-huh. And I start playing it, and I go, gosh, this sounds weird. But I just keep going, right? Uh-huh. And I hear the harpsichord teacher just literally shout, no! Ah! Which completely frazzled me. Like, wait, wh- Yeah, because nobody shouts in an audition. <laughs> exactly. But I kept going. I just kept going. I'm like, I don't know. This sounds weird, but I'm just going to keep going. When in doubt, keep on playing. Yeah. Exactly. This dude just yelled, but I'm just going to keep going. Because... Maybe he has Tourette's. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't he know. He spilled coffee on his pants. Like, who knows? <laughs> Until they go, oh, stop, stop, please, please. Ugh. And I look over at them, and they're like so embarrassed. They're like, we're so sorry. That harpsichord is in mean tone tuning, which means that all chromatic notes will sound awful. <laughs> I remember you telling me this story and I was like, mean tone tuning. Yeah. And I did not grasp the, the uh, gravity of, of what that meant. I was just like, okay. So like, <laughs> I was expecting you to say, oh, the keyboard's missing. No, like no, all of a sudden, yeah. like. <laughs> well, it might as well be because uh, most of the notes, you know, that's in the fugue subject it sounds horribly out of tune. Mm. So they were really embarrassed, but I didn't sense that. All I sensed was some dude just yelled at me and they just told me to stop like, yeah. three measures into my Scarlatti Sonata. It'd be like, I would be thinking, oh my God, is it that bad? Did I have to stop? Like, exactly. not, like... But I go, okay, um, should I just play it on the other harpsichord? And they're like, no, 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 no. Let's just do sight reading. And I'm like, <laughs> Okay. And so thanks. I, thanks. Don't give me a do-over. Yeah. I mean. So the next thing I know is this thing's in front of me. 
and it's a sight reading, and it's not sight reading because I've played this piece actually <laughs> that they put in front of me. I won't say what it is because I think they reuse it every year. Okay. <laughs> How kind but, of you. <laughs> I know. You're going to get messages, by the way. Well, from the one person who listens to this podcast. Xavier. Hi, Javier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. He probably doesn't anymore because he has a kid now. Oh, no, 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 no. I just saw him. Well, he's, oh, he's excited okay. that we're recording. Okay. Um, anyway, they put his sight reading in front of me, which isn't really sight reading. Mm-hmm. And the flute professor is there, ready to go. And... something happens i just start playing i'm barely looking at the music right yeah and i go and i'm aligned through it i'm going god why does this sound weird and i look at the key signature and i'm like shit it's in g major and i've not i've been playing f naturals this whole time but that's okay that's my reading that's expected what but it just like i felt so frazzled that i i didn't think like that you know I totally I just, understand that. Like you're already, you're still like trying to process exactly what, what happened happen. to you. So I just started. I, I, all I remember was don't stop, and I tried to fix it, but I felt so discombobulated through the whole thing. Everyone keeps on repeating that mantra, like don't yeah. stop, don't stop. Sometimes it's good to stop. Sometimes it's good to stop, but I feel like in that instance, because I didn't stop, was counted for something. Probably. Probably. They were like, oh my god, this guy has been yelled at and like told to abort his playing. They probably did actually have mad respect for the fact that you kept on going. <laughs> so I fixed it, but I just remember leaving that room going, fuck, I fucked yeah. it up again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it, it was not, it wasn't an official email, but I emailed the harpsichord teacher that night and he gave me a very strong hint that I had made it. He wrote, so he wrote felt, you a very sweet email, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He wrote me a very sweet, it's a very sweet guy. Really great. But anyway, So we were talking we about audition horror stories, I guess. Yeah. Which is fun. Which is fun. But now, after our... Our arduous audition processes yeah. were in Juilliard. And you actually asked me these questions in our last episode, in our catch-up episode. And I want to actually turn it around to you. Oh, no. And so- ask you. <laughs> I didn't actually your... see this coming at all. You didn't? No, I didn't, actually. Oh, I thought you'd be well... more creative and, you know, not reuse somebody else's question. No. Hey, great artists steal. <laughs> it's so true. So... For those of you who did not hear that catch-up episode, turn this one off, listen to the catch-up episode, then come back to here. But the question is, yes. what was your best Juilliard moment and what was your worst Juilliard moment? That I can recall. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, to be honest, my best Juilliard moments were not necessarily planned through the school. Um, but was because I made some, my first year at Juilliard, I actually made some friends with string players that I really value because it taught me a lot. Mm. And one was a violinist that we were in a trio at the time that was just our own project. It wasn't through the school. Um, 
we had just kind of started playing together and decided to make a trio more serious thing. And it was my first time doing chamber music on a non-school sanctioned mm-hmm. kind of project. And it was really fun for me to discover working through something. We would spend hours rehearsing. Uh, I've never done that. I went, it, mm. This is my first time. I was a freshman and uh, it was truly enjoyable. Um and just working through things because his viewpoint was so different from mine, but mm-hmm. we were both respectful. He was just very respectful. Um, and so that cultivated a culture of always being open with each other and listening to ideas. There wasn't any argument in that way. And I remember playing with him for his recital because the result of playing in chamber groups with people is that as pianists, you get to play for their recitals. So I remember playing Frank Sinatra with him later on that year and playing for Bobby Mann. That was a highlight because we got to go to his apartment. And Robert Mann was just a wonderful guy, a wonderful teacher, very wise. But he said something to me I, I still remember and I still repeat to people. He said, you should always play together because it's always good to play with people who are the opposite of you. You're the best thing for each other. And um, it makes sense. But to have it so articulated and and presented was very meaningful to me. Mm -hmm. That was probably one of the most valuable things out of Juilliard was learning from other peers, like learning that you could learn from other peers much more than Mm -hmm. just like that sort of, oh, I'm going to listen to my teacher kind of thing. But have this active collaboration. So that was definitely a highlight. I think worst moments. So I will say that I was, I did not have a good time at Juilliard at all, but that was because I was not in a good place mentally. Mm -hmm. And um, I know that's why I didn't really utilize my time there or view it in the best light. It's not actually a knock against Juilliard at all, because if I was of sound mind, (laughs) And, and and emotional state, I would have actually probably enjoyed it or gotten a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I should say another good moment of Juilliard was writing for Juilliard Journal. Notice that these are things that take me out of the piano community. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was fun. It was, you know, fun to like get assignments and interview people. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, and be published. I mean, that's a, that's a huge thing for a young 18 year old. Yeah. I enjoyed writing. Um, I did not practice at Juilliard and um, what I did not enjoy, what was probably the low moments of me being there was being a disappointment to my teacher. Can that mm. be classified as a moment? Yeah. <laughs> it was deeply embarrassing um, and deeply embarrassing to be told to go get help. Mm. That was deeply um, mortifying for me. So, yeah. I mean, I came back and I finished and I graduated, but I had to take time off to go get help. Yeah. And that was hard for me to accept as like, you know, as somebody who doesn't, who, who, who doesn't accept these weaknesses at that point in life. I didn't mm-hmm. really understand um, why I was being told I had to do this. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no, that was hard. Anyways. I think that's why I want to forget a lot of Juilliard and why I have kind of. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, I was lucky in that I I went to Juilliard when I was a grown-up, right? Right. You were still a kid, pretty much. I was a little bit of a fucked-up kid, too. Yeah. And I actually, I I go, I, I look over my Juilliard experience and I go, could I have handled this when I was 18? Mm-hmm. And the answer to that is no. 
Really? I don't think I could have handled it. Well, just, you, the specific things that were thrown at you, yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah. Um, but even just the pressure of being at Juilliard, like, I, I always describe it this way to people who, who are just kind of curious, is um, a performance at Juilliard is a school performance. It's like any other school performance, right? Right. Except that the possibility of the New York Times being there is really quite high sometimes. That's true. Yeah. And so you have this weird like disconnect of it's a school performance, but it's also really super important, right? And it's also a school performance of a school that takes himself very seriously. Exactly. Yeah. So you just there's this pressure to be good and good all the time. Which I don't think is a bad thing, right? But could I have handled that pressure when I was 18? No, I could not. I definitely not. couldn't, yeah. Yeah. And so I actually would look at some of the undergrads going, God, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> this is your undergraduate experience, right? I'm sure they're fine. They all seem very well adjusted. And oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I never really interacted with them anyway, but. You know, they were young enough to be annoying (laughs) when I had to, like, walk through a whole gaggle of them. And they seemed fine, you know? Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, Because coming from the freshman perspective, nobody was really well adjusted. Um, (laughs) And I think that's par for a course. That's like a normal stage of growing up. That's true. In a way, Juilliard expects their students to not only rise to the occasion, but, like, already kind of be important stars, I guess. Mm. It's sort of a misunderstanding that, like, you know, you go to school to learn, right? You go to school to become an artist, to to, to learn to be that thing that you want to be. But I've often gotten the sense that at Juilliard, they kind of want you to already be child prodigy star. And then... Maybe that's true for the piano world. I didn't get that sense, but maybe it's also that Juilliard shifted culture from 2007 until 10 years later when I got in. What? <laughs> How could it possibly be different and evolve? Like... <laughs> no, it's calcified terror for me. <laughs> no, well, I mean, I, it, brings, it brings to mind what you're saying all these horror stories of Juilliard that I've heard, that wasn't my experience. That's awesome. The super competitiveness. I mean, yeah, we're competitive, but we're not assholes to each other. Nobody was an asshole to each other. I will say that. That's not a truism, I think. Yeah. The pressure was there, but I think also, in a way, I feel like the support system was stronger. I feel like it was way stronger during my time there than it was during yours well every year is different too that's what i've noticed yeah every pianist who've you know i've developed friendships over the years and they all have different years at juilliard and some of them have really close friendships still Mm -hmm. and some of them have the similar experience as me of feeling alienated but i will say i am a loner so that's probably why yeah um yeah i mean juilliard is a place it's it's what you make out of it. It is what you make out of it. But 
Let me ask you, let's wrap up the episode with this question. Okay. Was it worth it? Did it、was、give it you? Well, did it give you what you th- what you what you think it would have given you? Has it helped you? You know, however many years later, fifteen years later, since you went or ten,、uh, whatever, how many years later? Twelve. Twelve. <laughs> Has、yeah. it helped you? Yeah, I think that despite all the things I'm saying about my time being hard there,、um, I don't. Wish to do it over someplace else.、Mm-hmm. I think I carried my personal baggage wherever I would go, and Julia taught me,、um, maybe not what I expected it to teach me, but it did teach me a lot. It gave me a lot of different perspectives and things that I'm. I was exploring. I definitely like piano wise, did not go as far as I had hoped,、mm. but、um, I think it gave me a lot of different experiences that. Gave me a larger palette later on.、Hmm. If that makes any sense. No, it totally makes sense. What about you? I feel the same way. Okay, all right. In a way, what I appreciate most about the Juilliard experience was how it made me think. It made me approach things quite differently. And when I made mistakes, it was, it was like, how can I fix them? Right, and、yeah. it's not, and oddly, in a way, it's not even like musical. Yeah, it's just like, why are these problems existing interpersonally? What am I doing, right? Yeah, and I kind of recognize that about myself. Can I ask you, because you didn't have the sort of growing up already in that sort of culture? Yeah, what was your impression of Juilliard? Before you went in, and 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 did that change after you've been in there? I think I had this mythic perception of Juilliard. Yeah. I thought only superhumans were there. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought it was next to impossible、right. to, for a guy like me to get in, and frankly, it was next to impossible. <laughs> I would never have gotten in as an undergrad in piano. Or a masters or anything really anything to do with piano I would not have made it because、mm. I'm not a good pianist、mm. or that's just not my main focus. It's not your cup of tea. Yeah, it's just not my cup of tea.、Um, but being at Juilliard kind of demystified everything, right? And just being around people who are just as passionate about something as you are. It's really、yeah. uplifting, right? I think really the big thing about getting into Juilliard, yes, you need to be able to do what you what you're gonna do. But after that, I think really it's it's the amount of passion you have, and that sounds so cliche, but I think it's true. Yeah, and I mean it, for sure,、it's、yeah, an obsession like it has to be your life. Exactly. So just being around people who are exactly like that, who understand it. Yeah. Right. Is is very refreshing. Yeah. And but that's something that I realized as a grown up. Like I don't think I would have seen that when I was eighteen. Like you. But、were. you know, in a way that my best moment at Juilliard is kind of that. Yeah. Meeting somebody who really truly enjoyed it that way,、mm-hmm. and wanted to spend all their time rehearsing. That that was refreshing actually, because there's always a time limit before. That's true. 
and like people want to do other things like mm-hmm. go find a candy store or like yeah. go drinking or something mm-hmm. i will say that as an undergrad at freshman i did not socialize <laughs> at all i did not go to any parties i did not oh, hang out well as a as a grown-up at juilliard i did not hang out with people or go to parties either right i feel like that's more acceptable as a grown-up that's true. <laughs> that's, that's a you're right you're right but it was i did force myself to go to one party a year one a year that's great yeah how much willing up of yourself did you have to do oh it took a lot like it was like <laughs> weighing on your mind for the whole week right it's just like god damn it i have to go to this party it was a, it has nothing to do with the people who hosted the party or the people yeah. who are there at the party it's just that i don't like parties can i just ask you how many different excuses did you come up with as plausible uh for, excuses for skipping the party that i went to yeah beforehand none wow good for you I just forced myself to go, but I also knew that that was going to be the only one. So you didn't give yourself the option of, maybe well, I can get out of this. In the first year, the first year that I went to this party, it was a Halloween party. Uh, I was a little bit under the weather. Yeah, so that was a plausible excuse. So it was a plausible excuse. The second year, I, I didn't make the excuse. I just went. But I went super early. Like, I was literally the first one there, and I didn't care. Yeah. And I was the first one out of there. Interesting. I just got the hell out. Well, did you end up enjoying yourself? Yeah. I, I'm trying to encase this in a life lesson of if you don't give yourself the option of not going, then you're going to actually enjoy yourself. I mean, but... yeah, I did enjoy myself. It's just parties are still not my thing. They're totally not my thing. But also, it was it was a better party because I knew people. That's right? true. That is a better thing. Yeah. And I, I always knew that I had at least someone to talk to. And it wasn't going to be about some stupid, like, what do you do? Blah, blah, blah. And You mean right? what I do for a living now? Small dog? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that also made it better. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, there's nothing more daunting than going to a party where you don't know anyone. Exactly. I just uh, can't stand it. I don't trust myself to be charming enough. (laughs) But in terms of what I was saying is that I was surprised at how much Julia taught me about life rather than music, which of course then impacts the music. But it was just kind of odd how many things I learned about myself. I know myself much better now through that experience. And I don't know if you feel that way, but... How do you feel? I, I think, um, yeah, I learned a lot about myself, too, which I didn't realize until much later. T- to be honest, I just was ready to get out of there. <laughs> I was miserable. But I did know that the reason I was miserable was because I, I just wasn't happy with myself. Yeah. Instruction-wise, I I often used to say my teacher didn't have time for the likes of me because I was not working hard. I did not practice. Um, so in a way, I disappointed myself and her. And I don't know why. It was till later that I figured out why I wasn't doing the work that I really wanted to do but still didn't do. But yeah, I definitely think it taught me a lot about myself. Yeah. Like all of these realizations, self-reflection, thinking about reasons why things are certain ways, grappling with these deep embarrassments in a community in which everyone is supposed to be top tier. 
that does teach you a lot about yourself. Yeah. It taught me, like, what is valuable about me and my playing? What can I bring? What do I want to bring? I definitely saw through, maybe through negative or maybe through what I didn't want to be, what I really identified with and what I was looking for as a musician, what I was looking to portray. Um, It definitely had a lot to do with the mold of Juilliard and, yeah, kind of putting yourself in contrast or in relief to that Mm -hmm. was, was educational. Yeah. So none so, of us will, we wouldn't trade our Juilliard experiences. It's really yeah. what, it, what we're saying. And yeah. Yeah. This well, was not a shit party on Juilliard. No, this is not. No, it's just a way of processing how I was feeling because I'm just so recently out. So this was therapy for me. I'm Hope really it was, glad. Francis, that you had this experience, actually. I wasn't quite sure what your takeaway would be, uh, actually. Yeah. Because I hadn't talked to you in a while, and I know that it was not a fun time for you all the time. No. And I think definitely I was worried it wouldn't be fun for you, but I'm really glad to hear that you actually benefited from it. Yeah, well, I'm glad to hear that you benefited from it, even though it was a tough time of your life. Eh. Eh. But what what is character without tough times? <laughs> <laughs> and that leads straight to what I'm obsessed with. Speaking about character, mm. so um, Nintendo has released Mario Kart on the iPhone. Yeah. Oh my god. And I've literally spent hours, just hours, playing Mario Kart on my phone. Wait, we can just, like, we could just download it, any of us? Yeah, go to the (gasps) App Store. I suck at Mario Kart, though. It doesn't matter. I suck at it, too, but it's, it's just so much fun. Who do you ride? Oh, you don't get a choice, really. What? I mean, either you can buy characters or you slowly win the characters in the iPhone version. Ah, okay. But it doesn't matter to me because it's Mario Kart and I just play it obsessively. And uh, I had a lot of papers to grade today. Oh, no. And I eventually graded them, but I did delay grading them because I was playing Mario Kart. Do you ever grade papers while listening to something like a podcast? No, I can't. Yeah, I, I would just, imagine that'd be difficult. Yeah, I can't. I'm not, I'm a bad multitasker. I've heard today actually that multitasking decreases your IQ by fifteen percent. Oh, I believe it. It like over time, it just decreases your IQ. Mm-hmm. I'm a notorious multitasker. Like I feel like I can't do anything single-handedly with focus. Wow. So, <laughs> I I'm worried. So, what are you obsessed with? So my boyfriend is an actor, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, we watch a lot of movies. Like, I'll be cardboarding, and then he'll put a movie on. Um, and I've seen a couple really good ones recently. Uh, one of them I just saw was surprisingly great. Um, have you heard of Akita, the Battle Angel? No, I haven't. It's like the semi-animated yeah. uh, movie with Christopher Waltz. Uh-huh. And, uh, oh, it's great. I have a weakness, though, for, like, small... 
strong uh, main characters that are female that happen to just be able to kick so much butt. <laughs> like that's why I like Stranger Things. That's yeah. why I like like it's just like that trope. It's now become a big thing. Like Logan, I loved just like the 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 feisty tiny thing. Yeah. Like, just like level cities. <laughs> I will never get sick of it. Maybe because I'm kind of diminutive. So that's great. So that's my obsession. I I recommend it. I mean, there's a little bit of like you know the cheesy, um, love storyline which I. But everything else about it is great. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode. You're better All right. At <laughs> Am I better at that? Um, I will wrap us up with um my semi rose drunk stage. Um. <laughs> uh. Yes. So we will be coming out with no shit. So <laughs> thus ends another episode of So Many Wrong Notes. And please check us out on our Facebook page and our um, website, so manywrongnotes.com. Give us a shout out, give us a rating, subscribe to us on iTunes. Do all of those things. Or if you hate being told what to do, just, you know, check us out and become our friends. So, we need friends. We're lonely. We're sad people. Sad and we just, we just spent half this episode talking about how much we hate people. So Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. More to come soon.